is Sportsnet Today with Peter Klein on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. This means nothing to anyone but uh, anyone in, or to anyone outside of this room, but uh, Cam nailed that intro. Welcome, everyone, <laughs> to a Friday edition of Sportsnet Today. I'm Peter Klein, uh, filling in for Logan Gordon on this Calgary Flames preseason game day as the Flames get ready to take on the Canucks. Flames Talk pregame show is at 7. The puck drops at 8. All of it is here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Between now and then, we got a lot to talk about. Uh, we're going to have football conversation here in the next couple of moments. We're going to talk about the Vancouver Canucks in the next hour and a whole lot more. Going to need your texts because I am wildly unprepared. Uh, send them then at 960-960-960. Like I said, a lot to get to. Let's get right into it. I am really excited about this. Uh, I've chatted with this fellow a few times, but I haven't been able to introduce him as host yet. He is the host of the Fan Checkdown. You can find him on social media at MattyMar89. It is Matt Marchese. Matt, how is it going, sir? Oh, aside from this cottage country traffic here in the greater (laughs) Toronto area, everything is fantastic. Nice to talk to you, Peter. How are you? I'm doing well, man. Uh, nice to talk to you as well. Uh, I feel no sympathy for you. Oh, the traffic to the cottage, the the, the, the humanity. Well, I'm, I'm not going to. I'm not going to the cottage. I'm just going home. Okay. I'm just trying. I'm just trying to get home right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that is one thing I don't miss about living out there. Is uh, the traffic is bananas. Um, we go from yeah. one painful thing to another. Let's talk about Bears Commanders. Uh, Thursday night football. The Chicago Bears picked up a win. And I don't know if there's anything actionable beyond that. I, I don't know if this is the, the spark that ignites the Chicago Bears onto a triumphant victory and we look back and laugh at the first four weeks of the season on America's game at the end of the year or anything like that. Is, that. is there anything to take away from the Bears' performance other than, well, they scored more points than the other team, let's move on? I think, the, I think you could take away that the defense was better than they have been because the defense had given up 30-plus points in every game this year. Uh, Last night they gave up 20. And against the Commanders team that, let's face it, they are actually capable of scoring points. And they did a really good job of limiting that in the first half, and then that was basically the game. I think the other takeaway is the Bears' offense, and specifically Justin Fields and, and of course, D.J. Moore, looked a lot more, um, I mean, consistent is the word, but competent is probably the word that I would use. Like they were good. Justin Fields, you know, since he came out and said like, you'll see what me playing free looks like. And I mean, it's been pretty good over 700 passing yards. He's got nine touchdowns, two interceptions or seven touchdowns and uh, two interceptions. I think in that stretch, um, he's been really good lately. And, and he looks more like the quarterback that we thought he could look like uh, the guy that was going to take the step forward as a passer because athletically you knew what you were getting. He's a super athletic quarterback. He's, he's able to get himself out of situations with his legs. It was always going to be a question of does the arm translate to the NFL? And is Washington's defense good? No. Is Denver's defense good? No. But you still got to be able to show that you're competent in those games. And he did more than that. Uh, they looked really good. And, and I think that, I think that those are the takeaways from this that you look at now. What's he going to do against better defenses going forward? That's going to be the big question. 
On the other side of it, uh, Sam Howell with, with the Washington Commanders. People seem to be getting a, a little bit warmed up to, to this kid a little bit. Uh, Washington ha has kind of gone under the radar, I guess, a, a little bit. But what have you made of their quarterback's play through the first five weeks of the year now? He looked better than I think a lot of people had expected. Um, even because really this is his rookie year. He made one start last year. And it was because the season was over and it was like, oh, whatever, we're just going to throw the kid in. And he was he was fine last year, and, and he's looked good this season as well. The thing with Sam Howell that people will forget is when he was at North Carolina, uh, the year before he declared, when everybody was doing their prognostications for the, the draft the next year, Sam Howell was the consensus number one pick ahead of Kenny Pickett in terms of quarterbacks. And... He is his last year at North Carolina. They had offensive line injuries like crazy. There's a lot of turnover, and Sam Howell was kind of running for his life the entire college season, and that really hurt his draft stock. Ended up, you know, getting him drafted in the third round as opposed to the first round, where a lot of people the year before thought he was going to get drafted. The talent was always there. He, when I watch him, he kind of reminds me a little bit of Baker Mayfield, like, and in terms of he's a small-ish guy. Uh, he looks like he has the same kind of release as Baker Mayfield in a way. And th there's talent there. I, I think that they have their quarterback at least for the next few years. Because if he continues on this trajectory, it looks good. They've got weapons. Antonio Gibson was good last night. Brian Robinson, generally speaking, has been good. Uh, I like Jahan Dawson. He's off to a slow start. But, you know, he's a good player. Terry McLaurin's very good. And, and Curtis Samuel has proven to be a useful piece as well. I think that there's some upside with this Washington offense. It's The question becomes, can they put it together for a full game? And that hasn't really been the case this season. And on the defensive side of things with this team, like we're a few years removed now from them being a, a dominant defense that carried them to, to a playoff team. But uh, Chase Young getting healthy, I think, is huge for them. I don't know, like... It's a really tough division, minus the Giants, I guess. Um, but I, I just, it, it does kind of feel like maybe not, oh, well, future dynasty or anything like that. That's not what I'm saying. But it does kind of feel like something's building in Washington, right? Well, the talent is certainly there. Talent's not the issue. I don't know if it's an issue of Jack Del Rio is just a horrible defensive coordinator, because that may still be the case. But they've given up 30-plus points in four of five games this year. Outside of wow. the Cardinals game, They've been hemorrhaging points on defense. Here's my thing. You look at the, the front four is Deron Payne, is uh, Montez Sweat, Jonathan Allen, and Chase Young to go along with a secondary that is developing. Benjamin St. Juice, the Canadian, and, and of course, Emmanuel Forbes, who's drafted into the first round this year. There's some talent there. I just don't know why they can't stop anybody. Like, even their pass rush yesterday, they were able to create – some pressure, but certainly not what you would expect for a group with, with as much capability as they have. So I, I don't know if this is just a case of it's time for Jack Del Rio to go because, you know, Ron Rivera was asked about it today about, you know, potential changes to the coaching staff. And I joked, well, he can't fire himself. <laughs> um, but what they could do is they could get rid of the defensive coordinator who's proven through the first five games or at least the last four that with all that talent, uh, it's not working out. So I do wonder how long the leash is there for Jack Del Rio. And this is a, a, a defense that 
I was very bullish on coming into this year because of that talent, and it hasn't come to the forefront yet. And you could say, well, they gave up 37 to the Bills. They gave up 34 uh, to the Eagles. But they also just gave up a 40 spot to the Bears, who, aside from playing the Broncos, had really struggled this year. So I think there are a lot of questions about how this defense is working and it actually, in more cases, not working. Uh, from one defense that you said isn't working to one that is, uh, the Buffalo Bills did a pretty good job of keeping the cover on the, the Miami Dolphins last week. They're off in London taking on Jacksonville, and they might be getting some reinforcements uh, with Vaughn Miller coming in potentially to a, a defense that has already looked like they have picked up where, where they left off. So this makes this Bills defense, I think, that much more terrifying, and it might make Buffalo the most complete team in the league. I know it's not going to be difficult for you to say nice things about the Bills, but um, where are you at with this Bills team that put on a bit of a show against Miami last week? Well, I mean, first of all, what a win. Uh, yeah. I'm, I was, I was, you know, what a, what a game. Peter, what else can we say? But... <laughs> Uh, no Tredavious White for the rest of the year is a massive, massive loss. Uh, they won't have Greg Rousseau this weekend. Uh, he's been declared out. Uh, Christian Benford, the corner, is also questionable. The Von Miller thing is interesting because what we saw last year, and their pass rush last year when they had Von Miller was really good. When he went out of the lineup, it changed their their defensive play completely, just one guy. And I guess you can make the argument, you know, Jordan Poirier missed some time, Mike Hyde missed a lot of time. But their pass rush really hasn't missed a beat without Von Miller this season. It's been really good. And that speaks to the job that Sean McDermott has done as the defensive play caller taking over from Leslie Frazier. This is an entirely different looking defense. They really attack you. They really want to get to the quarterback. Like, there's a lot to like. You're adding a Hall of Fame player to your lineup in Von Miller. So you lose Greg Rousseau, which sucks, but you're getting Von Miller, and it's it's kind of a wash. I expect the defense to be just as good going forward as long as they can stay healthy outside of the Trey White injury. And it really does kind of beg the question for me. Um, they saw what happened last year when their secondary got beaten up, and, and they, they're deep-ish in the secondary, certainly not as deep as they are with their defensive linemen. I do wonder if they maybe explore some trade options. Find a team that's out, that's maybe looking to move a guy uh, at the cornerback position to kind of take over from Trey White's position because he's not coming back. And, you know, really making up for a mistake of drafting Kair Elam in the first round a couple of years ago because he really hasn't panned out. He's been a, a healthy and active uh, throughout the season so far. It's been disappointing. I do wonder if they look at the cornerback market to see if they can solidify and give themselves a little bit more depth. Their opposition this week, the Jacksonville Jaguars, a team that I think a lot of people expected to take a bit of a step, and they just haven't. It's been painfully mid so far this year in Jacksonville. Have you been surprised by what we've seen from the defending AFC South champions so far? Totally. The offense really, you know, when we... Calvin Ridley came in and he set the world on fire in training camp and um, he had a great first half of his first game back after basically a year and a half and outside of that the offense has been kind of pedantic it, it hasn't moved very well Christian Kirk has kind of you know taken back his spot as the number one on that team which I don't think anybody anybody was really expecting and they just haven't been able to move the ball like I thought they would. Trevor Lawrence 
has only thrown for over 250 yards once this year. He's only thrown two touchdowns. He has one game with zero touchdown passes and the other two with one each. That's not the Trevor Lawrence that we thought we were going to get. Why is that happening? I don't know. They have tons of talent. They are, they're more than capable. So I really don't know what's going on there. Uh, Pittsburgh against Baltimore is always a, a fun rivalry. This one had a, I, I don't want to say a wrinkle, but a, an interesting note this week with Kenny Pickett goes down with an injury. It looks like he does. Uh, at, at one point, it looked like, okay, maybe his season is over. Oh, maybe it's just going to be multiple weeks. And now he's off the injury report coming into this game. I would assume if the offense keeps looking the way it has, that Mike Tomlin might just put him in a sharpshooter this week um, to, to get him out of there because it's been rough so far out in Pittsburgh with this offense. Um, what, injuries or not, I'm a little surprised Pittsburgh's going to stick with Kenny Pickett. What, what do you think? I think Mike Tomlin should put Matt Canada in a shark <laughs> and make sure that he can't call plays. But he keeps defending his guy, and that's the part that I don't understand. Like, has Kenny Pickett looked good? No. Has Matt Canada put him in positions to look good? No. So I think that, you know, when you have the first-round quarterback in your, in your roster, you've got to ride him. But at the same breath, like, we've had plenty of – of knowledge on Matt Canada and the fact that this offense sucks with him at the helm. They're 32nd in red zone attempts per game with 1.3. Uh, oh. That's not very good. They, they're uh, 17 yards per point is 26 in the NFL. And with talent like, you know, we can say what we want about Najee Harris, that offensive line isn't very good. Najee Harris hasn't been really given much runway, you know, to even get out of the backfield. You can say the same thing about Jalen Warren. I, I just don't think that this team offensively is built well enough to succeed with the way Matt Canada is calling plays. George Pickens is a fantastic receiver. Pat Fryermuth is a really good tight end. Deontay Johnson, when he's healthy, and he'll be back, I think, next week, or actually they're on a bye next week, the week after. They have the talent. There's no question. But putting it together with Matt Canada as the offensive coordinator – hasn't worked they go out and then they give him a promotion which i was totally baffled by and he's still calling plays like none of this makes sense so mike tomlin has to take a look at his staff and go okay what is the issue here we have the talent maybe the offensive line could need some reworking that's the gm's job to take care of that but the play calling is atrocious so i i think that Listen, I look at that game, and I think Baltimore should wipe the floor clean with Pittsburgh. Those games have been generally pretty close, um, so it may not be a blowout like it probably should be. But I can't imagine that a few more weeks of this anemic offense is going to do Matt Canada any favors. I'd have to imagine that he's got to be, if the seat's not hot, it's certainly got to be at least warming up. Well, and especially in that division, right? Like Cincinnati uh, is not who we thought they were. Um, it, it just seems like this this year injuries and whatever are just going to, to kind of slow them up. Baltimore's, uh, I think, pretty good, but not like, oh, well, there's no way we can compete with Baltimore. And I'm still not buying what Cleveland is selling offensively. Like it, it's not like the division is right there for the taking, but they don't feel out of it. But you, you wait a couple more weeks behind an inept offensive coordinator and you might end up being out of it. Well, and that's just it. Like, there, there's plenty with the expanded playoffs. There's there's room to have a, a hiccup here or there, and the and the Steelers have been able to, you know, despite how bad things have been, they're still two and two. It's not like the, the season is far from over, right? But 
I look at I look at what you know. You talk about the Bengals; they're done because Joe Burrow is not getting any healthier until the bye, and that's still two weeks away. They have the Cardinals this week. They have the the Seahawks next week, who are coming off of a bye, and then since he has a bye, and then they get to play the Niners and the Bills, and yeah, it doesn't get any easier. So their season might be over. Cleveland, Deshaun Watson hasn't been very good. The only reason why they've been winning games is because of their defense, and last week they got trounced by these same Ravens. The opportunity is there, which is why I don't know why Mike Tomlin and and the front office is being so stubborn with Matt Canada. I want to know who Matt Canada has pictures of and what they're doing in those pictures. That's what I want to know. It's just Mike Tomlin being like, man, getting to 500 has been too easy. I need to do it with one hand tied behind my back now. That's he's just I, I, upping the difficulty on Madden is basically what he's doing. Um, at, as we chat here with Matt Marchese, the host of the Fan Checkdown here on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Uh, Cooper Cup returning, it sounds like anyway, returning for the Los Angeles Rams, which is great for those of us who have him in a couple fantasy leagues. Um, but th- this is a Rams offense that hasn't really missed a beat without him. Uh, Puka Nakua is bound for Canton, I'm sure, at the end of the season. How do you think Cooper Cup kind of fits into this offense with the the Rams playing, I think, a lot better than people thought they would in his absence? Well, I had the Rams, I think, finishing second last in the division uh, behind or just ahead of the Arizona Cardinals. Both of those teams have played better than I think anyone could have imagined. But, you know, with Cup, like Sean McVay says he's going to play. I'll take Sean McVay at his word. Uh, Puka Nakua is still going to have a role on this team. And I think what it does is, you know, he kind of he kind of plays a little bit like Cooper Cup does. So they're going to be able to move both of those guys around the formation. Sean McVay is a genius at scheming guys open, and and that has been you know something that we've seen him do specifically with Cooper Cup, and now lately with Puka Nakua. I wonder about them just kind of working him in a little bit slowly. Um, I, I can't imagine he's going to get a full complement of snaps like he normally would. They're going to work him in because Nakua has been good. Tutu Atwell has been good. Uh, Tyler Higby coming off the extension has been, you know, a serviceable tight end. The passing game has been fine. Even, you know, Kyron Williams, who made Cam Akers expendable, he's also been good. So I don't, I don't see the need to kind of rush him into a full complement of snaps, but I do think he's going to have a role. Like, if Cooper Cup goes out and has seven catches for 80 yards this week, like I wouldn't be surprised at that at all, and I don't think anybody should be. I think they're going to work him in, but he's going to have a, a big role in the offense. He just may not be playing the same amount of snaps that we would normally see him play in Sean McVay's offense this early. Uh, prime time this weekend, it is the Cowboys taking on the 49ers, a classic rivalry, and it's just fun when these two teams are good, and it does feel like a matchup of two of the better teams in the NFC, but it kind of feels like San Francisco is in a tier above the, the Dallas Cowboys, in my opinion, anyway. Um, do, do you see it that way, and, and how do the Cowboys kind of hang with the 49ers in this one? Well, it's going to come down to the defense, because the Niners have scored 30-plus points in every Brock Purdy start that he's made in his career uh, that he hasn't been hurt, right? So so that's that's part of the equation here. Now, having said all that, the thing that I'm most curious about is how the Dallas offense does against the San Francisco defense because San Francisco is very good at stopping the run. Um, Dallas needs to get the running game going with Tony Pollard. San Francisco's secondary is beatable. Like, we've seen teams be able to throw the ball on them. 
this is where guys like Brandon Cooks and Michael Gallup, they have to have, you know, a, a good a good role in this offense and just to even give CD Lamb a break every once in a while. CD Lamb hasn't been the leading receiver on the team the last two weeks, which is a positive, but Brandon Cooks hasn't gotten going yet. This is the week. If they're going to pass the Jerry Jones litmus test, as he said, it's the litmus test this week, the most obvious statement of week five, <laughs> then Brandon Cooks has to do something. He's got to play a big part because if he doesn't and it's just CD Lamb and a mix of Michael Gallup and Jake Ferguson, I'm not sure that that's going to be enough to beat the Niners because they've just been able to put on an offensive clinic basically every week that Brock Purdy's been the quarterback. And Monday night, it is the Packers taking on the Vegas Raiders. Full disclosure, the Raiders are my favorite team. Uh, Matt, I've seen every second of Raider football this year, and I've seen exactly zero seconds that lead me to believe they should be a favorite in this game. But they're one-point favorites against the Green Bay Packers. Uh, just simple question, why? Uh, that's a great question. Um, <laughs> Thank you. I don't know the answer to that question. But I will say the Packers, you know, their, their defense – I was I was very bullish on their defense, much like I was with Washington because of, you know, the talent aspect, and they have plenty of it. But they haven't really performed up to snuff like, you know, like I thought that they would. And, and that's, been, that's been part of the equation here. Here's the thing. I don't see Vegas' offense as being good enough to really kind of put on a show against the Green Bay Packers, but the Packers' offense has been really kind of topsy-turvy. Jordan Love is, per, is completing less than 60% of his passes. The running game really hasn't gotten going. Uh, Aaron Jones was coming off the injury last week, so I'll give him a break on that one. But A.J. Dillon's looked horrible. Uh, Christian Watson was limited in his, his game action last week, also coming off of a hamstring injury. They have the talent, I think, on offense. It's just a matter of getting it going now. If Aaron Jones is back to 100%, or at least whatever 100% is now at this point in the season, and Christian Watson is the same, then I think we're going to be able to see Green Bay get into a little bit of a groove. And honestly, like, no disrespect to your Raiders, but um, there's not really a better matchup to get going than the Raiders right now because their defense just isn't very good outside of Max Crosby. It's, it's, it's nothing to write home about, and this may be a game where Jordan Love has kind of a – a breakout game like he, you know, we think he might be able to with those weapons. Um, if I were a betting man, and you know I am, <laughs> I would probably be taking the Packers in that one. Yeah, the Raiders have three good players on the entire roster, so uh, it should be a good one for, for Green Bay. Uh, Matt, always a pleasure, sir. Thank you very much for doing this. Enjoy the weekend, and uh, we'll talk soon. Thanks, buddy. You too. Always nice to chat with you. All right. Have a good one. There is Matt Marchese joining us on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline, the host of the Fan Checkdown um, across all fine Sportsnet platforms. All right. Uh, time for us to take a break. Uh, we have a lot to get to on the other side. I want your texts at 960-960 as this is, in my opinion, basically the end of training camp. Like I know not officially, but uh, there's one preseason game tonight. Then when we get through the weekend, regular season games start. So I want to know from you guys who have been the, the standouts, either positively or negatively, from training camp and the preseason schedule for the Flames. Uh, we can get to your texts as the show goes on at 960-960. We're going to look at what's left to accomplish for the Calgary Flames as training camp winds down on the other side here on Sportsnet Today on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. 
We interrupt our days of our lives viewing to uh, talk about sports. Welcome back to Sportsnet Today. I'm Peter Klein. Uh, thank you all so much for tuning in on this Calgary Flames preseason game day as we come to you from the DL Basement Systems downtown studios for Doug Lacey's Basement Systems, Crack Foundation, Boeing Foundation Walls. We have a simple permanent solution to stabilize your foundation contact basement systems they are all things basementy visit dlbasementsystems.com uh, all right here's 30 reasons why john schneider was right in pulling jose barrios uh, i'm kidding uh all right uh the calgary flames are wrapping up training camp here i would say very very soon uh as the regular season starts next week so in my like unofficial timeline Training camp is basically done. They play the last preseason game today. And then it's just getting, it's not, it's that weird, like, it's not training camp, but we're not in the regular season yet because I haven't played a regular season game. But in my opinion, training camp is basically winding down. So I want to know from you guys on the text line. Uh, we'll get to this in this segment. Uh, we are going to talk Flames Canucks at the uh, top of the three o'clock hour. And then we'll get to more texts um, if they are there uh, for the last segment before Patty and folks take over. So uh, want your text. What has been kind of the, the standout to you in training camp? Who's impressed and who has kind of disappointed you? Let me know on the text line at 960-960. My name is Peter Klein. Uh, you can find me on social media on X, Instagram, and TikTok. I am at Primetime Klein. So with training camp winding down, what is left to accomplish as the Flames take on the Vancouver Canucks tonight? Um, if you are listening to this game, which you definitely should be, when it starts at 8 o'clock here with um, the play-by-play, -play, 7 o'clock Flames pregame show. What are we listening for? What what needs to, to happen? What still needs to be figured out? Um, it, it's going to be kind of similar to what you would hear from a regular Flames Canucks game. Um, Pat Steinberg... You've probably heard of him tweeting out the uh, the lines this morning and or just a, a few minutes ago, actually. And it seems kind of like, what, like I said, what you would see from a, a regular game. Sorry, I am stalling because I accidentally closed the app. There we go. Um, so it's Hubert Lindholm Manjapani, as one would expect. Ruzichka Kadri Dubé. Um, Sharon Govich, Backland Coronado, Hunt, Schwint, and Dewar with Coleman and Klapka as the extra forwards on the blue line. Uh, Uyghur and Anderson, Hannafin, Tanev, Zadorov, Osterley, and Gilbert and Solovyov with Markstrom and Vladar. That's the first time I had to say that on the air. I would give it a six out of 10. So pretty good. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate it. Um, <laughs> I, I, I think like Coleman is probably absolutely going to be a regular in the lineup. But aside from that, this kind of seems it like it, it feels like Hunt and Schwint are in there for a side-by-side -side comparison for who gets kind of the last regular forward spot. Um, Solovyov is probably gone in my opinion anyway. And then it just depends on cap. If they want to keep both or all three of Hunt, Schwint and Klapka, I, I would imagine one gets sent down, but I, I think that's kind of it is just to figure out who is the, the last one kind of taking the, the Peltier spot, which has been one of the, the bigger, dis uh, probably the biggest disappointment is that he was a player that everyone was so excited about coming into this, um, into the season, into this training camp, into this preseason. And he goes down with the injury and it's just such a bummer. And it kind of goes into this first text at nine, six, zero, nine, six, zero. My observation about the preseason is it's too long. Maybe the season could start a week earlier and short training camp. The season should be started by now. Like, uh, personal, whatever. My anniversary was yesterday. And I remember when we got married back in 2019, um, it, there was a lot of like, 
You're getting married? Like, the season starts that day. What are you doing? Like, why? Why? And now we're starting it a week later. Like, oh, no, you missed a preseason game. The, the, the preseason is far too long. I think the preseason in the NFL is too long, and it's three games. So, to me, NHL preseason, two home, two away. The first couple are for all the players who you've kind of heard of before from a draft that you watched five years ago. And then the last game is basically the regulars, probably featuring the backup goalie. And on you go with that. It's entirely too long. The I, I, I can't imagine needing that much uh, evaluation for it. Just wrap these things up and get it going. So I, I do think that the season uh, season should probably start uh, a little bit earlier. And it just it gives you more room for injuries to happen. And we've seen that uh, Rudy goes down with an injury. You have Pelche, like we just mentioned, go down with an injury as well. Um, and it looked like Hunt might have uh, when he blocked that shot against the, the Oilers. I think it was in the, the second period of that game the other night when like it looked like he was a, a little bit slow getting up. And it, it's just a bit too long, in my opinion, um, for for NHL preseason. But it's what we have. So it's what we have to evaluate. Um, but the Flames are pretty well locked in. Like uh, Nick DeSimone, Emilio Pettersson, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm, all, I'm still choked up. And Martin Pospisil uh, gets sent to the American Hockey League. Pelche, Rooney, and Shillington still technically on the roster. Does mean that they're basically down to, to 24. So I think for what we are looking for tonight, it is probably who's getting the starting job. I, I think even though the lines seem pretty set at this point, and there's been a lot to like from what we've seen from them uh, so far this training camp, I think overall, again, aside from the big bummer of uh, Oliver Shillington and you just hope whatever he's dealing with just ends up being okay. Um, so that, that was not the best way to start things off. And then Pelche going down with an injury aside from players who won't be on the starting lineup. Now, I think it's been a pretty positive training camp for the, the Calgary flames and hopefully they can wrap that one up here tonight. I haven't mentioned the goalies yet. That one seems pretty obvious. There's only two left in training camp. They're not going to start the season with less than that. So it, it seems pretty locked in as it will be uh, Jacob Markstrom and Dan Vladar as your opening night goalies. That would have surprised me a few months ago. I came into this offseason for the Flames. Basically, the one guarantee I had was Vladar is going to get moved for a draft pick that may or may not matter. And Dustin Wolf is going to come in. He will be the backup goalie. He'll play 30 to 35 games this season. And we will get a glimpse at goaltenders. Uh, both present and future with the Flames with a Markstrom-Wolf tandem. Well, none of that's going to happen as Dustin Wolf has been sent back to the American Hockey League. Uh, Elliot Friedman had some thoughts on this on the 32 Thoughts podcast. You will hear those now. You know, as for Dustin Wolf, here's the thing, Jeff. As talented as Dustin Wolf is, he had to beat someone out of a job. Like, honestly... I don't think it was really set up for Dustin Wolf to make that team. I think he really had to give Calgary a reason to put him on there because they have two goalies who need waivers, both of whom are signed, and they didn't want to lose Vladar for nothing. But the people who saw Wolf play more than I did, they said he didn't do enough to take the job. And that's what Dustin Wolf had to do. And it's tough to disagree with that. Uh, again, Elliot Freeman from uh, 32 Thoughts. 
given how things stacked up, and like I said, I thought that this would be taken care of heading into training camp. I didn't think Vladar would be on the team. Um, I thought he was going to, to be dealt to a goalie needy team, uh, of which there are plenty, and that would be that, and it's just a, a clear runway. But when you come into this training camp with the three goalies, it is kind of on the kid to take the job from Dan Vladar, right? Like, go out there and just be undeniable. And I, I think Dustin Wolf was fine. I don't have much beef with how he played at, at all really um that this preseason but it wasn't oh my god you need to find a way to get this kid on your your nhl roster that there is no way dan vladar how could you that there there's absolutely no way he just he wasn't that i i think vladar was probably a little bit better than, than dustin wolf and it's it's a tricky spot now for the flames and it's a fine problem to have i don't even think it's that big of a problem to be perfectly frank but it does feel like Dustin Wolf has kind of like in a, a video game sense, he's beaten the AHL level, right? Like he, he's gone out there, his goals, he let in like five goals all year uh, is basically what it felt like last season. He was just absolutely unstoppable at the American Hockey League level. It feels like he's figured that out, right? Like it, it feels like we know that he has learned everything he can learn from the American Hockey League. However, there's kind of something in his way and the flames do fancy themselves a team that wants to win hockey games this season. And so you want to put your best team out on the ice instead of, ah, let's see what happens when we develop a goalie at the NHL level for 30 to 35 games this season in a Pacific division. That looks like it is going to be very tight. And in a Western conference, that looks like it is going to be very tight. So you, you can see it from a flame standpoint, but for, for Dustin Wolf, it does have to be a little bit disappointing because it, it feels like he has kind of beat that level. And now would have been the opportunity to step up, move to the NHL and move on. So if we were looking at a, a training camp disappointment, I don't know to, to call Wolf a disappointment, I think would be a bit of an overstatement, but just a, huh, didn't go out there and just absolutely win this job for the flames. Um, that's that, that seems to be kind of the, the take. And I would, I would tend to uh, agree with it. So give us your thoughts on the text line at nine, six, zero, nine, six, zero, on that in terms of what else we, we are kind of looking for tonight from flames training camp. I have really liked how a few of these lines have come together. Um, looking at Huberto Lindholm Manjapani. I love how that pairing or how, how that grouping kind of fits together, but I've really liked what Ruzichka Kadri and, and Dubé can bring and what we've seen from them in, in the preseason. So when we're looking at, what do we still need to figure out from the flames this training camp? It is just basically seeing like, okay, these are the right lines that they have. It does kind of feel like that with Rosichka. Uh, I like the way he has played Dubé and Kadri that that feels like a, a really good mix for the flames. And I think they found something here with Sharon Govich, Backlund and Coronado. And uh, I think it's easy to, to fall into, oh man, both these kids are going to score like 20 to 25 goals this year. And it's going to be great. But Coronado, there is no way you could tell me that anyone but him has been like the standout of the, the preseason so far for the flames. And so to, to come out of that with, with him Backlund and Sharon Govich, I, I like that those guys have been able to step up and elevate into that role so that you now have a, a flames team that can kind of spread things out a little bit. You don't have to have uh, Coleman and Backlund on a line together. And then just one kid um, Backlund looks like he has really been, um, I don't even want to say rejuvenated, but he, he's obviously taking the captain role seriously. And, and I think he has done a pretty good job in, in guiding those two kids when they've been playing together. I, 
I, I, I just, I really like how this Flames team is stacking up. And I know it's the preseason and everything looks good on paper. And when you're seeing a lot of these, uh, th- these lines together, they're playing against basically American Hockey League teams. So it's easy to, to fall into it. But I, I think when you are looking at things from a, a Flames standpoint, you have to like how this has all come together. And if you can have Coleman get moved down to the, the fourth line, quote unquote, it just really makes a forward group that there were admittedly some questions about coming into the season. I I do think that you you like the the depth of this team, and this is what this is why I get so kind of like I don't want to say like trigger shy or anything like that um, on the text line, which admittedly is generally pretty positive towards me uh, since I've come back and the before times definitely not. But the joke in here was how quickly will it be for someone to be like, oh, wow, Peter's here. And it was literally seconds. Um, But then one person makes one kind of mocking thing. And I'm like, oh, no. But someone texted in Flames pre-cup favorites. Best three lines deep in the NHL. That's not what I am saying. Uh, I think if you've listened to me on this station throughout the um, my my random kind of drop ins every now and then. I was kind of pessimistic about this team coming into the year. So I I am not saying, hey, look out, Vegas. Don't even bother playing games this season. The Flames have Blake Coleman on their fourth line. What I'm saying is last year sucked. Uh, They had a fourth line that was essentially unusable for large parts of the season. Although they also had points that year where the fourth line was their best line. Both of which are very concerning things to say. And this team now just spreads out better. They fit a a little bit better. And if you can have these young kids step up, which look, you're probably not going to have 100% success rate on that, right? Like odds are one of the kids, whether it's Sharon Govich, Coronado, Dewar, Hunt, or uh, Ruzichka, pretty good chance one of them isn't going to hit this year. But the way that it's been going so far, you spread it out throughout the lineup and it just, it feels pretty good from a a flame standpoint that, that felt kind of stuck in the mud when certain lines would go out last season to have guys you trust on each line admittedly feels a little different and it feels good from a, a, a Calgary flames standpoint. Uh, someone else texting in. I think they will be a good team this year and be comfortably in the playoffs. I'm not even saying that. I just think it's going to be, it's just going to be better this year from uh, a flame standpoint. Uh, and now just seeing the, the line of text that text are sent in, they may have absolutely been talking about the Wranglers, uh, but I'm going to say it was about the Flames because it fit my point. So keep the text coming at 960-960 as we get ready for the Flames and the Vancouver Canucks tonight. Again, the pregame show starts at 7 uh, with Steinberg and Vickers. Play-by-play is at 8, and then Steinberg has you for Flames Talk postgame coming up at 11 o'clock. Uh, a couple of texts here at 960-960. Uh, there was one here. Uh, Logan, it's not Logan. Peter here, by the way. Uh, you need to chill, relax. Those are probably true. Uh, the Flames have a plan. He is still young. Yeah, yeah, no, 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 no. I'm not saying, well, his career is over now or or anything like that. I'm not even saying like he played poorly. It, it's just, it, it felt like things were progressing in a certain way, right? Like he was best goalie in the the Western Hockey League comes into the American Hockey League is awesome and just and is awesome for one year okay well we need to see it again well we saw it again and now he's awesome again it feels like the next progression from that is and now the NHL and we're not there It, it just it felt like for the first time in probably this kid's hockey playing life that there has been a, a wall put up 
and I'm interested to see how he reacts to it. But no, I, I am not saying that the Flames have A, given up on their young goalie, B, should give up on their young goalie, or uh, C, the sky is falling. I'm just saying I had a thought coming in for how this was going to play out, and it, it is playing out differently because Wolf didn't come in and take that job. And again, credit Vladar, who I think has played quite well for the, the Flames this preseason. But goaltending is going to be so important for the Flames this season. Just, I mean, look, breaking hockey news, the goalies are going to be important for a hockey team. But with how last year went, this team cannot have another season of subpar goaltending for, for them to, to make a run. You look at the West and you look at the, the Pacific Division. Edmonton, begrudgingly, is a good hockey team. Um, the Vegas Golden Knights got a really big shiny thing for how well they played last year. The LA Kings, I didn't love the trade of Pierre-Luc Dubois, but they seem to be in a position where they can take a step forward. Only three teams in a division are guaranteed a playoff spot. I just listed three. I think Arizona is going to be better. Uh, we're going to talk Canucks in the next segment. I think the Canucks are going to be better this season as well. Th this is going to be extremely competitive. You need your goalies playing at the absolute tippy-top of their game that mainly is talking about Markstrom, but what we have seen before and we've seen across the NHL now, Markstrom probably isn't going to be playing 65 games this season. They are going to need whoever that backup is to come in and continue to win games for this group, for, uh, for Vladar, kind of just keep doing what you were doing last year. And so Wolf had to come in and prove that he was going to be the dude ahead of Vladar and, and he didn't. It doesn't mean he sucks. It doesn't mean his career is over. It doesn't even mean we're not going to see him in the NHL this season. It was just one of the things in training that camp that I had an assumption about that we had to, to kind of move on from. Uh, after, oh, after the, uh, I see. Autocorrect got this one. After Wolf's debut in the last game last season, I said, uh, showcase our... Oh, hopefully trade him. I see what we're talking about. Uh, hopefully they trade Vladar and bring back Wolf is basically what that text said. At some point, like I, I thought Vladar could be moved out when uh, Tampa Bay had their goaltender issues. Colorado has some, but so far no one's really come in with a we're going to go out and get Dan Vladar sort of a look. So we'll see. But I, I think the Flames are in pretty good shape goaltending wise. So far, keep those texts coming, though. A lot of good ones at 960-960. Someone is disagreeing with me. Lackluster between um, Huberto and Lindholm. I I don't know. I've I've liked what I've seen from both guys so far. Um, now, just I mean, I was thinking back. Well, there was this one time. Oh, that was on the power play. Well, there was this other time. Oh, yeah, that was on the power play, which is fine because the power play was dog bleep last year. Uh, so having a power play. That looks good, even if it's just in preseason games against AHL players. It's a nice change. But I, I do think that those guys will find a bit of a chemistry. And if they don't, Huberto is way too good to have a season like he had a season ago. I think you can put him with almost anyone, and, and you are eventually going to, to get that chemistry figured out. I would like them to give a bit of a longer runway to it this year instead of after eight games, switching everything up. And... um kind of just trying to find a spark that way. I think that really did it a service to this team. And so I, I hope that whatever they roll with for night one is what they roll with for night 10 and maybe even 15 and try to develop the, the chemistry there that way. Because I, I do think those guys, it's just such a perfect fit, right? Like Huberto, 
at times, albeit none of them with the Calgary Flames, but at times has shown to be an elite playmaker. Elias Lindholm has a stupid good shot and should be able to score th uh, 30 in his sleep. And you have Andrew Mangiapane, very good at puck retrieval, also quite skilled at putting the puck in the net. So it feels like the perfect mix of everything you would want on a line, on paper anyway, let's see what it looks like actually out on the ice when things start to matter. Uh, someone disagreeing with me. Edmonton is not a good hockey team. They have two superstars, a good top six forwards, and above AHL level D, and adequate goaltending, maybe. Um, they absolutely have two superstars. I think they have, I would say, a pretty good top six, especially if Connor Brown stays healthy, though, like, he and McDavid just seem to have a thing. And again, a lot of that is based off of against whatever the Flames were trotting out in that game up in Edmonton a, a few nights ago, but... I think to, to just say the Oilers are two guys and then a, a few good players is kind of a take from three years ago. This is a good hockey team. We'll see what the goaltending is, but yeah, th this is a, a good hockey team. I, I think you're kind of sleeping on them a little bit. All right. Keep those texts going. Again, 960-960. There is a lot to talk about with this Flames group as we get ready for uh, the start of the regular season next week. And we get ready for Flames against the Canucks tonight. Again, 7 o'clock Flames Talk pregame show. 8 o'clock Flames against the Canucks is the uh, puck drop. And then at 11, it is Flames Talk postgame. Or whenever the game ends. You know, how postgame shows work. So uh, keep it locked here throughout the day for continuing Flames coverage. Like when we come back as Bik Nazar, a Canucks Central host, joins us to talk about uh, the opponents for the evening. What are the Canucks looking for from their last preseason game? What do we expect from the Vancouver Canucks and what do they think of the Calgary Flames? We will get all of those viewpoints as Sportsnet Today continues here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan.